This morning we continue our series, Wonder, looking at the Christmas story. Today we pause and reflect upon what took place in Bethlehem, the birth of Jesus Christ. And I would say it this way, Jesus is the best gift ever, amen? And when you know him personally, you understand that even to a deeper level. Gifts are meant to be given, and one of the things I love about Christmas, it's our chance to show others that we love them. Jesus was an example of a gift given by God the Father, the eternal gift, and he presented a love package to us at Christmas. And now in turn, we get to share with others that we love and by an expression of giving gifts, say, you know what, we love you. Jesus showed us how, we'll do it too. Let me ask you a couple questions about gifts. Have you ever been given a perfect gift? Like after receiving it, it was like, that is me. Like, that's the gift that I want more than any gift. Like, how did you know that I wanted that gift? The kind of gift after you receive it, you realize the person really knew you and understood you and understood your interests and, and even knew what you longed to receive. Christmas time is our time to give. Have you ever seen someone else get a gift and you think, boy, I wish I got that one? <laughs> But gifts are meant to be given. Sometimes the gifts come to you when you least expect it, and they surprise you. Watch this. Yes, yes, yes! I'm here to make your day! Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Is Santa on the phone? Oh, brilliant. How are you, my dear? I'm good, Santa. Marvellous. Would you like a little pressy for your Christmas? Yeah, I'd like a present. Yay! One thing, it's not for you. It's not actually for me. That's not fair. Why? Because presents are for giving, not for receiving. Wouldn't you agree? You could give it to them. It's going to be wonderful. Now, you see that gentleman with the buggy? There's a lady with a blue coat. Look upstairs. You see that gentleman? Chase after him now with the big black bag. Run now. Go, go, go. I'd like to give you a present for Christmas. This is for you. Merry Christmas. This is the one. I don't know what it is. So what's inside it? I don't know. Something happened when you watched that. I saw your faces. They went this way. <laughs> Isn't there something special about just giving? Something that only happens when you give? I find it very interesting, too, as I watch that. 
that we've been given a gift that's very, very similar and given in a free way. Think about this. The gift that they received was free. They had a chance to reject it or receive it or accept it. There were people picked out by someone above who said, take this gift to them. They were chosen to receive the gift. Someone had to deliver the gift so that they could receive the gift. And when they gave the gift away, they came back filled with joy. And the recipient of the gift did nothing to receive it. Sound familiar? We have a God before the foundation of the world that chose us to be saved, to receive the gift. We didn't earn it or do anything to be worthy of receiving it. Someone had to deliver the gift so that we could receive it. And we have a chance to receive it or reject it. And it is a free gift. 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem, there was a gift like no other gift that's ever been given. And his name is Jesus. And you and I have a chance to receive and accept this gift that God delivered to us. And we can reject it or receive it. It's a perfect gift. It's a free gift. It's an eternal gift. And this gift changes our lives forever. And it's the best gift ever. Grab your Bibles and I'll show you the story. And turn to Luke chapter 2. And if you need a Bible, hold your hand up. Our ushers will be glad to put one in your hand. But turn to Luke chapter 2. And I'm going to ask you all to turn there and read for yourself. And stand with me as we read this in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 20. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 20. Would you stand as we read God's word together? Let's read it together. Luke 2, verses 8 to 20. Ready? Read. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, watching over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you, and you will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven... The shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Verse 21. 
On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. You may have a seat. Christmas is personal for you and me. Think about that just for a second. God gave us a gift. The gift was a Savior. Look again at verse 11. Look how Luke, inspired by the Holy Spirit, carried by the Holy Spirit, moved by the Holy Spirit to write, a doctor by profession, says this in verse 11. Today, it says, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to what? What's it say? To you. I love how it's, it's specific. In other words, this gift that was born over 2,000 years ago is for you and you and you and you and you and you and every you in this room. He came for us. He came for all mankind. He came for you and me. Born for you, the shepherd said. I love how the angels also gave the report to the shepherds. The angels could have went to anyone. They could have delivered it to the palace. They could have delivered it to the king. They could have delivered it to the scribes and the Pharisees. They could have delivered it to the religious people of the day. But they chose to tell the shepherds first that Jesus was born. Have you ever wondered why? Why go to shepherds? Why deliver this news? I mean, we have reveal parties today for, for newborns, and, and, and we, we let people know. But imagine, why would you give the reveal party to shepherds in the field? Like, what good would that do to give information to shepherds? How quickly will the news travel? And why not start with someone who can communicate it better? Or why not go to the palace and the king and why not go to someone that's higher in social status? I personally believe that some of the primary reasons they went to the shepherds first is to show us and to show them God's love for everyone. Even the outcasts of society, God loves and everyone is level at the cross with Jesus. It's a reminder, like during this day, I doubt very many high school students who were ready to gradu graduate out of high school in 12th grade would choose a career path to be a shepherd. No, they wouldn't. That was the lowest of lowest position, yet the angels came and shared with the shepherds. I also believe because it was a prophetic declaration from Micah 5.2 that this is how it would happen. And so they fulfilled prophecy and went to the shepherds. I also believe they did it to shame religious leaders of the day and help them remember that their position didn't give them more honor in God's eyes. God treats us all equally, loves us equally, and there's not one person that's better than another in God's eyes. Amen to that? That's what he did when he showed this message given to the, through the angels to the shepherds. And another reason I believe he went to shepherds is to reveal who Jesus is. He's the great shepherd, isn't he? And what do shepherds do? They're willing to leave the 99 to find the one. They're willing to protect invaders and animals that would kill the sheep. And it's just this picture of Jesus is the shepherd. And he knew that the shepherds would understand that the Messiah has come. Born to you, he makes it very personal. The gift was for each man. He had you and me on his mind when he left heaven. In fact, it makes no sense for a king to leave the hallways of heaven and enter earth. And on, think about this, on Christmas Day in Bethlehem. We have all received many gifts that have been personal. In fact, you and I will receive gifts. 
And a lot of the gifts will have a name tag on it. And it will say, in my case, to Jim from whomever sent it to me. Or to to dad or to, to whomever, to you, from who it comes from. And so I know that the gifts that are maybe piled up around our tree that we're going to celebrate on Christmas Day... Our children will go through and they'll pack them together and they'll put them up. And they're specifically for me. It's my name from someone. And this gift was to you from God. And inside the package is Jesus Christ. Now that is love. In other words, God is saying it's for you and you. I love you, 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 everyone on planet Earth. He came to us so that we could forever hear him say, I love you. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. In other words, he's saying, I came for you. I am here with you. I am home with you. In our house, one of the practices we've always had as a family is when you come in from the garage and enter our house, through the hallway, into our kitchen, if you're coming home, you open the door and you say, I'm home. I'm here. In fact, it's very common, even our adult children, when they come in, They open the door and say, hey, I'm here, mom, dad, I'm here, I'm home. It's a recognition that that they are there with us or they are home with us. Just yesterday, I was out early in the morning uh, deer hunting, and my hands were cold and my toes were cold. And so as I got finished hunting early in the morning, I worked my way back to the house, and I walked into our garage, and, and I took off my boots, and I was walking in. And I walked in, and because my hands were cold and my toes were cold, I walked directly back to our bedroom, into our our master bedroom, and went into the master bath, and I turned the shower on, and I was going to get warmed up. My wife was downstairs working in in the laundry room. And unbeknownst to her, I had come home. But I didn't walk in and say, home, here. Hey, anybody here? And so as I was in the bathroom, she had heard the water come on from down below, and she walked up, and she knocked on the door. She said, Jim. Why didn't you say you were here? Jim, why didn't you say home? It's a practice. And when Jesus came to earth, what he's saying is through the shepherds, and as the angels heard this from the shepherds, they're saying, he's here. I'm home. I've come to earth. And I want you to know that you are meaningful to me. Now go take this message to the masses. You see, He whispers, I'm here. He shouts, I'm here. At our lowest place, God is with us. At our highest mountaintop praise, God is with us. We needed a Savior. Otherwise, we would die in our sin and spend eternity in hell. He came because the sin in us separates us from God. You see, it's important to remember this too. He was born to a virgin. Sin is transmitted from man to the child. I want you to think about that for a second as you process these thoughts. What does that mean to us? Why was God born to a male, overshadowed, it says, or conceived by the Holy Spirit? Why didn't just Joseph and Mary conceive and God have a child? Because he wanted to picture a virgin birth, and he wanted to make sure, as we understand, that we understand that sin is transmitted or imputed, a a, a theological word, from Adam, and it goes through the fathers and the men, and it's imputed to every child that was born. And so what happened when the virgin conceived through the Holy Spirit, God protected the womb of Mary. And the sin wasn't passed down 
through the Father because God protected, overshadowed by the Holy Spirit. Think about it this way. Jesus inherited genetic material from Mary. He needed to, why? To be fully human. He was the descendant of Adam to become the last Adam, but not from Joseph. Therefore, original sin must pass through the father to the offspring. Just read Romans chapter 5 and verse 12. So God set it up. The father wasn't involved in the conception process. God protected the womb, and sin wasn't imputed through Joseph to Jesus. Keep in mind, too, that sin nature is not sin. The terms sin nature or original sin are not found in the Bible. They are terms derived by humans when looking at certain passages. Sin nature is a tendency towards sin, not sin in itself. This avoids Jesus being a sinner. Yes, he was tempted in every way, just as we are, Hebrews 4.15, yet without sin. He became man. He clothed himself. You saw me last week. He put on the cloak or the coat of humanity. So he was tempted in every way, just as we are, yet without sin. I mean, I don't know what that does for you. Now think about this. Where do we normally bail out on a scale of 1 to 10 when it comes to temptation? Oh, I'm not feeling too good today. Two. Maybe, maybe you're having a really good day and temptation comes, like, I'm going to overcome, I'm going to overcome. I'm going to quote the scripture. I'm, I'm going to do everything to overcome, I'm going to overcome. And you get like the six. Jesus took it to the 10th and the 9th degree every single time when it came to temptation. And he never surrendered his will once to temptation. Amen to that. See, he was tempted in every way. We do not have a high priest who doesn't sympathize with us, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are. This is important, yet without sin. He never enticed it to a point where it became sin for him. But Satan tried his best, didn't he? To cause him to fall. Have you ever wondered this? And I have as I read again this week. If Satan never tempted God, because he has access to heaven. The Bible says in Revelation that daily he accuses the brothers and sisters in Christ before God. Daily he goes before God and he says, Jim, look at this sins guy. There he is. He's preaching at Grace Community Church. Can you believe you let him preach? Did you see what he did? But all day long, what happens? God comes back after him, covered with Jesus' blood, saved by Jesus' blood. The righteousness of Christ is on him. So he has access to God. So why doesn't Satan tempt God? If he's really on a a, a mission to bring as many people to fall, then why doesn't he tempt God? he, he, He went after Jesus, but why not God? How would you answer that question? Where would you go in Scripture to answer that question? Well, Jesus, the brother of James, answered that question in James 1.13. When he said, God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. Why? Because he's fully God and he isn't fully man. You can't tempt God. Listen, God is untouchable. <laughs> untouchable. And by the way. Jesus, in his transcendent form, when he ascended to heaven, he was no longer man. He's fully God. He is untouchable now to be tempted by Satan. He tried when he was fully man, but he was tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Amen. That's important for us to know that. Because we need 
a sacrifice that's perfect, that allows us to get to God. That's why Jesus came. Jesus became our sin on the cross. Yes, when your child is born, they are born with sin. I know it's hard to think about that, but process this for a second. When that child of yours is born, and our children, all three of our kids were born, and they were precious, and as we held them, you wonder, how can they already, how can they already have sin? Is it even possible? Like, they haven't even spoke. But they can cry, though, can't they? Oh, boy. <laughs> Let me demonstrate if I can. Picture, if you can, if this is, represents the hearts of children when they're born, or you and me. Pure in every way, and as best as I know, this is pure water. And I would not hesitate to drink this water. Because as best as I know, my staff did nothing with it. <laughs> best as I know. But it's pure water as best as I know. And so it's hard for us to think that that child who has yet to speak, who's just been born, that's one minute old or or two hours old, has sinned. But the truth is that sin has been imputed down from the original Adam into every human being that's born. So picture, if you can, that beautiful child of yours has had sin imputed. So if I were to drop some acid into this water, what would happen to this water? And then I would say, hey, Ben, come drink this water. We wouldn't dare drink it. Why? Because just one drop, what does it do? Poisons all the water. And this original sin, this act of Satan, or that he, when he tempted Adam and Eve, and when Adam sinned, it's been imputed, it's been transmitted, it's been brought down to every single person that has ever been born. And then, let's face it, how many times do we add our own to it? <laughs> yeah, 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 I, I, tempt it, tempt fall, tempt it fell, tempt it fell, tempt it fell, tempt it fell. And so we have this life of just continuing sin. And so our hearts are toxic. And even on the outside, it might look good. And some might pretend, but look at all the good things that I do. And look how I'm a servant. And look how I'm kind and hospitable. And look how much money I gave. And look at these orphanages that I built. And, and if we're not careful, we look at all the things on the outside of our hearts that we've done. And we think, I'm good. My heart is okay. But the truth is, on the inside, we are toxic with sin. And we need someone. To come and to take care of the sin problem in our lives. And his name was Jesus. And when Jesus was born, God protected the womb of Mary. Overshadowed and conception took through the Holy Spirit. And when God, Jesus himself, lived on her, he was tempted in every way just as we are yet without sin. And why is that important? Because a perfect God, man, went to the cross and died for our sins. We needed a perfect sacrifice. You see, so salvation, as these 
angels were telling the shepherds is a personal gift to us by someone without sin, and his name is Jesus. You see, Jesus lived the life we should have lived and died the death we were condemned to die and offers to trade places with us. He took on the penalty of death for my sin and he offers the gift of righteousness in exchange for it. Simple truth, he traded places with us. Amen? And I'm grateful he has. Yet for some of us, We try to earn our way to receive this gift of eternal life. Think about it this way. If I were to ask you today, and you knew there was a lake house on Lake Wawasee for $800,000, and I were to ask you, would you like to purchase that lake house? What might be your first inclination if you thought about it? It's something you're interested in and something that you, you've dreamt about. And, and I said, would you like to purchase? Your first inclination would be like, you would go check your investments. You would go check your income. You would go check your bills. And you would begin to process, do I have enough that can pay this extra mortgage or this first mortgage? And so you would, you would check and see. The only way you can buy that or get that gift that's available to you, ready to buy, is if you have something in the bank and your bank to care for it. But what if I said, you know what? For Christmas this year, I have a million dollars. And I'm giving a million dollars out in every service. By the way, if that word got out on the street, this third service would be jammed full of people. In fact, you might stay for two services today. But what if I said I have a million dollars? And here, now take this million dollars. What would you say? I now have enough money to purchase this lake house because a gift has been given that covers the cost of this incredible, incredible, incredible gift. We do the same thing with this eternal gift and this incredible gift called salvation in Jesus. And if we're not careful, you know what we do? Say, I'll get to God and I'll accept this gift And we go and we check our moral investments. Well, I haven't been too bad. And man, I've helped the poor. And I've done this and I've done that. And if we're not careful, we we begin to calculate. And we begin to think, I got enough to get this eternal life. I've been good enough. I've done enough. I've, I've given enough. I've prayed enough. I've served enough. I've done enough to get it. We begin to calculate. And all the while, Jesus is saying, that will never give you that gift. The only way you get that gift of eternal life is because of the righteousness of Jesus that was given to you at Christmas. But listen, some of you, Jesus is still in the manger. (laughs) And there's this two gem from God, and this gift has left unopened. You haven't accepted it. You're trying to earn something that you can't earn. That's what Christmas is. It's a gift for us to receive from God through Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus took on an earthly address and left a perfect home to do so for us. Don't ever lose sight 
of this. Jesus moved into our neighborhood. He became flesh and blood and changed his heavenly address to an earthly address. John, one of the disciples, tried to describe this. And in fact, he said it well. Here's what he said in John 1.14. He said, Jesus became flesh and blood for us and made his dwelling among us. So he became flesh and blood and Eugene Peterson would say he moved into our neighborhood. Jesus had to come to earth so that he could be born and then live and then die on the cross. He became flesh and blood. He changed his location for us. In other words, he, he is dwelling among us. That word dwelling is in the Greek has the idea of a tent. Jesus popped a tent in our neighborhoods so that he could be with us. Seriously, who in their right mind would leave the palace where they are king of the jungle and pop a tent down by the river? No one but Jesus. In a world filled with suffering and pain, I cannot fathom worshiping a God who is immune to pain. Not only did he come, but he suffered just like us. Look again at Luke chapter 2 and verse 11 as these angels give these words. It says, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the what? What's it say? Messiah the Lord. You see, when the angels spoke this, they wanted everyone to know, listen, you might think that Roman government is in charge, but this Messiah that was born in Bethlehem, Jesus rules. <laughs> Jesus is in charge. He might have left heaven, but he still calls the shots. This was a direct confrontation to the Roman world and Caesar. The angels are saying, Jesus rules, not Caesar. And for some of us, this is a pushback. Who ultimately calls the shots in your life? Ask that question. Who does? It's kind of like this. For many of us, Jesus is an influence, but is he Lord? Too many so-called followers of Jesus will say that, yeah, you know what? You'll say, yeah, Pastor Jim, I'm a follower of Jesus. I follow Jesus. And the question is, do you really? Do you really follow Jesus? Here's what we do. Some of us follow Jesus like we follow Twitter. And we'll have people that we like, and you know what we do? We go through our Twitter list. Oh, I want to follow them. And so what do you do? You, 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 it says, if you open up Twitter and you go to that account, and there's this little blue box at the top, and it says, following. It means you're following that person on Twitter. And so what begins to happen? Each day you open up your phone or your computer or three or four times a day or 5,000 times a day. I don't know what, you're, what you do, but you have a choice. What do you do? Well, today I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see what this person says. And uh, maybe this afternoon I'll check what this person says. You know what? I don't choose to follow them today. We say we're followers, but do you really follow them? And we do that with Jesus, don't we? I'm going to check in today. Boy, boy, today I might need him. So God, can you help me? But do you really follow? Do you take his advice? Do you listen? Or is Jesus and you become followers like you are with Twitter accounts? Some people pay more attention to others than they do others on Twitter. But ultimately, you choose who you will listen to. And you want to be in charge of who you follow. Following Jesus gives him full control of your life. Let me ask you a question. What kind of follower are you? 
well, I haven't even been on Twitter in three weeks. <laughs> I haven't been there yet today. I got up and I ran around and I got gone. And, but man, I didn't check in. Or I haven't read his word to see what he wants me to do. And I haven't obeyed some of the things that he's put into place. And I'll check in after the service since Pastor Jim said I should. <laughs> no, it's full control. It's like that's the only account that you follow. Luke chapter 2 and verses 4 to 7 says this. Look back prior to what we read. It says, So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting the child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for him. This is the fulfillment of Micah 5.2. Why do we have that? Because God wants us to know that he's good on his word. That should bring great joy to each of us today. There is a God that made a promise a long time ago, 2,700 years plus ago, that he would send someone at Christmas. He would be born in Bethlehem in a manger to a virgin woman, and it happened. And when the angels came to the shepherds, they said, guess what? Today, it happened. He's here. It's the fulfillment of prophecy. So God wants to take his heavenly address and move it into your neighborhood. Let me explain if I can. On my phone, in my office, I don't keep my phone with me during the services on Sunday. I don't want to be distracted. And so in my phone in my office, I have apps on them, a variety of apps. In one of my apps, I have great clips. That's where I get my hair cut. So I open up my Great Clips app. It's convenient. I can check in to see. I only have to wait three minutes. Or, and I can look. And when you open up the Great Clips app, it's a map. And on this map are little pins locators that have been dropped. And they, they, they're shaped as a teardrop. And you can see where the Great Clips are. Wow, there's two in Elkhart. There's two in Goshen. And so I can look and I can search and scroll down on this app. And I can see how many minutes I have to wait to go get my hair cut. It's a pen location that says, Great Clips is here. And if you go to this place, you can get your hair cut. Jesus wants to drop a pen in our neighborhoods. And you know what he wants to do? He wants to put his address at your address. Can I just ask the question? If we had a Jesus app, and we opened it up this morning, and I was able to have all of you in this room and in the South Auditorium, and those of you watching the live stream, and I opened up my Jesus app, and I clicked on it, and the map came open, where would the pen locations be dropped? Would they be at your house? Would they be in your neighborhood? Would you have and would Jesus have an earthly address at your home? You see, when God looks down from earth, you know what he does? He has pen locators, location pens that have been dropped all over the world. And as he looks down, he says, yep, there is light in that home. Jesus lives there and there and there. Oh, but that house, 
They thought he lived there, but it's dark. Would there be a pen dropped in your heart, in your home, if the Jesus app was opened right now? If I opened up and threw on our screens the pen locations of Jesus, would there be your home in Middlebury, in Warsaw, in South Bend, in Edwardsburg, in New Paris, in Goshen, in Elkhart? Would your name and his address appear in LaGrange? You see, he drops his address at your home. That's why Jesus came, so that light could come to your heart. The gift is ours to receive. And so the angels say, unto you a child is born this day. It says, so they left and they went to a place that he was born. The the shepherds then left because they heard the story and they went to see the king. I love in verse 11 in the Greek in the original, sometimes it shows you things that are just fascinating. And I want to show you again in verse 11 the, the usage of the Greek words. It says this in verse 11. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. If you were to look at this in the original Greek, there is not one article in front of Savior, Messiah, or Lord. In fact, it would read this way. Savior, Messiah, Lord. Because each word is vitally important. Savior, which means one who delivers his people. Messiah means the anointed one. Lord means God. You see, we desperately need someone who can deliver us from our present situation and eternally from hell. And his name is Jesus. That's why Jesus came. The story is told by Harry Ironside of years ago about a Russian czar by the name of Nicholas. And he tells this story, listen to this story that's applicable to someone in need. Harry Ironside liked to tell the story about a czar, Nicholas I of Russia. He says, it seems that the czar had a good friend who asked him to provide a job for his son. This the czar did appointing the son as a paymaster for a barracks in the Russian army. However, it turned out that the son was morally weak and soon gambled away nearly all the money entrusted to him. When the word came that the auditors were going to examine his records, Krugel Alton was coming in. That's for you, Mike. And the young man despaired, knowing that he was certain to be found out. He calculated the amount he owed, and the total came to a huge debt far greater than he could ever pay. He determined that the right he determined that the night before the auditors arrived, he would take his gun and commit suicide at midnight. History says before going to bed, he wrote out a full confession of his theft, listing all he had stolen, writing underneath it these words at the bottom of his letter. A great debt, who can pay? Question mark. Then he fell asleep after writing these words, weary from his exertions. Late that night, the czar himself paid a surprise visit to the barracks, as was his occasional custom, history says. Seeing a light on, he peered into the room and found the young man asleep with the letter of confession next to him. 
He read the letter and instantly understood what had happened. He paused for a moment, considering what punishment to impose. Then he bent over, wrote one word on the paper, and left. Eventually, the young man woke up, realizing that he had slept past midnight. Taking his gun, he prepared to kill himself when he noticed that someone had written something on his ledger. Under his words, a great debt who can pay, question mark, he saw one word, Nicholas. He was dumbfounded and then terrified when he realized that someone knew what he had done. Checking his records, he found that the signature was genuine. Finally, the thought settled in his mind that the czar knew the whole story and was willing to pay the debt himself. Resting on the words of his commander-in-chief, he fell asleep in the morning. And in the morning, a messenger came from the palace with the exact amount the young man owed. Only the czar could pay, and the czar did pay. There's a lot of connections with you and me in regards to that story. We all have sinned. We all have sinned. And there's only one remedy to our sin. We could never pay the price and the debt of our sin. But when Jesus came and lived on earth, perfect in every way, when he went to the cross, he said, paid in full. But we must receive it. We must accept this gift of Jesus. You can choose to reject it, and you'll end up far from God in a place called hell. In verses 19 to 20, it says, Mary treasured these things in her heart. Have you ever wondered why? Because she knew the truth. She knew that this child was born as conceived through the Holy Spirit. She knew that she didn't have sexual relationships with Joseph. She knew that only he was born and he had come just as prophecy had predicted to become the ransom to pay the debt of our sin. And her mama heart began to ponder that the baby she held would one day grow up and save the world of their sins. John, one of Jesus' disciples, said it this way. It's beautiful. He would later write, and he said this. Just listen to these words in John 1, verses 11 and 12. John wrote, Jesus came unto his own, and his own received him not. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the rights to become children of God. Can I ask you some very important questions today? Has Jesus dropped his address and his pen location at your home? Are you certain of that? Is there a point in time where Jesus became your answer to your sins? And you received that gift that was delivered from God himself through Jesus? Or have you rejected and said, I'm okay. I'm a good person. I've done all these good things. I've helped and I've done. 
Have you forgotten, though, that sin has been imputed to you from Adam? And when you and I were born, sin lives in us. And because of all the sins that you have added to your own life, you fall short of God. It's three days to Christmas. And families will gather and give gifts to each other. In fact, I love doing that. I love giving gifts. When you receive these gifts this Christmas, what will you do with those gifts given to you? Will you not open them? Will you choose not to receive them or accept them? What good is an unopened gift from a perfect God to a lost world in desperate need because of their sin? Why wouldn't you receive the gift that's the best gift ever? See, you can remain on your own, rule your own domain, yet die far from God in a place called hell, hopeless forever. Or you can believe and receive and accept the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. And you can bring Jesus home this Christmas. Jesus is the best gift ever. And this could be the best Christmas ever. Oh, Lord, I pray, God, that in this room that's filled with people and those watching live stream, I pray, God, with all my heart, I've tried to be the deliverer of this gift. I've done my best, God. I wish I could wave a magic wand over the hearts of the people here in the north and south auditoriums and those watching via live stream. I wish I had the ability to just drop a pen on their heart that says, Jesus lives here. But God, all I can do is deliver, and I've done my best. God, you're a good God that you would send the best gift ever. And Jesus, you would live the life of a man on earth. You would be accused and spit upon and cursed at and brutally murdered on a cross. You traded places with us, Jesus. You took the debt of our sin and you paid it in full. There's no gift that can compare to that. Oh God, I pray that you would open the hearts again of people in this room and they would come to know you personally. Why don't you just look up here a second. The Bible says this. The Bible says in Romans chapter 3, that we all have sinned 
our hearts are toxic and we fall short of the glory of God. And then the Bible says this in Romans, that the wages of our sin is death. Listen to me, eternal death. But Romans says this in Romans 5, 12, but God demonstrated his love to us. Jesus at Christmas. And in the midst of our sin, he gave his life for us. Easter. And then Jesus came so that we could have life. And then Paul said this in Romans. He said, there's a way to receive this gift of eternal life. If we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, like I'll follow him and follow him only. And we believe in our hearts that he was raised from the dead and lives. We will be saved of our sins. Please, don't leave this room. Please, unless you know. Don't leave this room unless you're certain Jesus has dropped his pen marker on your heart. Would you stand in prayer with me, please? Please don't leave. Just just stay. God, you loved us so much that you sent Jesus. I go back to that first video that we opened with. There was someone from above that said, take the gift to them. And then someone delivered the message. And then the people had a chance to accept it or reject it. If you're here today and you want to receive this incredible gift called Jesus and accept him, He will save you. He will forgive you of your sins. He will walk with you the rest of your life. If you want to start today with Jesus, the Bible says we confess with our mouth. Confess means to talk back to God. And so I ask you, as your head's bowed and your eyes are closed, If you're uncertain that you've ever received Jesus and accepted him, this perfect gift, then confess with your mouth with me. Confess. Say, dear God, I'm a sinner. I'm recognizing it. There's nothing I can do to get to God. I trust in the work of Jesus on the cross. Please forgive me of my sins and save me. I receive Jesus as Lord and Savior and repent of my sin. Thank you, Jesus. I am bringing you home this Christmas. Would you do something for me? I think it's important. If today was the day you say, Pastor Jim, I'm bringing Jesus home this Christmas. 
I received this gift. Would you just hold your hand up? Don't be afraid. It's just you and me. I just want to see who you are. Just hold it up. Don't be afraid. Thank you, God. All over this room, we have new addresses. The pen has been dropped. New lights are in our community. And so, God, I pray for these new followers of Jesus. I pray, God, that you would go before them. I pray, God, that you would empower them. I pray, God, that they would know you in a special way. I pray that they would overcome anything that comes against them. And I pray, God, that you would whisper to them like you whispered to us, I'm here. I'm home. I love you. Thank you, God, that the Christmas story lives on in the hearts of new homes today. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask you to do something as Pastor Jeremy comes and leads us in worship. In this manger here, we've put some pop sockets. And they go on the back of your phone. It's, I think it's good to remind ourselves, like, when was the time that I trusted in Jesus? When did I receive this gift? And you put it on the back of your phone. It's a reminder that during the Wonder series, it says, brought Jesus home, 12, 22, 19. And every time you grab your phone, you're reminded. And Jesus is saying, I'm here. I'm home. I love you. So we'd love for you to come here in a minute and work your way across and grab one of these. And then we'd love for you to walk over to the wall and for you to write your name in addition to the names that are already there your last name and your street number as a reminder that Jesus lives here. So listen, I saw your hands. Don't be afraid to come. This place is safe, amen? We brought Jesus home too. You're our new brother and our sister. So come across the stage and if you're in the South Auditorium, Pastor Jordan would like to usher you over. So make the walk. It's worth it. And we'll celebrate that the goodness of God follows after us. So come, come, grab a token and sign your name.